In a year filled with so much drama, Apple quietly made some huge announcements that set its direction for years to come. Here's a look at the highs and lows of 2020. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Apple reporter Ian Scher. Welcome, Ian. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, Apple, looking back at Apple, had a pretty busy year. It was, I would say, like, from a superficial level, you couldn't tell there were a lot of huge changes from its products, um, at least from the appearances. But you argue that they've actually had some big changes this year. Kind of sum up some of the big developments for Apple. Yeah, I, I think you can break them into two very big things. One of them was 5G, and the other one was the chips under the hood. Both of them are somewhat nerdy, and like a quarter of the people out there even understand what it is. But uh, essentially 5G with the super fast wireless coming to the iPhone, it really changes how the tech industry is going to look at 5G going forward, right? It, it's not actually that the carriers are doing anything different, although they made a big deal about it, but rather that uh, Apple taking it on means kind of the starting gun for everyone else has fully gone off, right? <laughs> Even though a bunch of people did it before, this is the time it starts. That's absolutely right. I've been saying, I mean, these companies have been working on this for a year and a half, almost two years at this point. Yeah. Uh, and 5G devices have been out for a while now, and really customers have been just sort of mad about it, and understandably so. Like It was complicated at first. You weren't sure if your phone got the right 5G network. Uh, the fact that Apple got 5G, all bands of 5G, all flavors of 5G into their iPhones, at least here in the US, simplifies the whole prospect. Uh, and really, like you said, is it's a, it's the starting gun for a lot of developers looking to actually make apps that take advantage of 5G. I think people were waiting for Apple to get into the game because there was no one else with the kind of scale that Apple had. And so, yeah, it's a huge deal. I'm obviously excited because I've been talking about 5G for, geez, a decade almost <laughs> at this point. Pretty much as soon as 4G began, I'm like, let's, right. let's talk about 5G. And we should start talking about 6G next week. But, you know, the thing <laughs> is that I think is really interesting about all of this is that um, the kind of the air in the 5G balloon has has gone out a little bit. Um, and it's interesting because there was so much hype, right? Especially at the beginning of this year, I felt like there was enormous hype around it. And then, you know, kind of things started rubber hitting the road. It wasn't as exciting as it came out to be. A lot of people were like, wait, there's still 4G and 5G. What's the point? And um, not to mention people burning down some cell towers because they thought 5G <laughs> caused coronavirus, which wasn't true, but we're, they, were, they were still doing it. So all these things to together leads us to today where, yeah, it's cool. It's happening. But, you know, the analysts are now starting to warn that the super cycle everyone expected, you know, everyone upgrading their phones because of 5G may not actually happen because we're all stuck at home. And by the way, we're in the middle of an economic catastrophe. And by the way, a lot of people don't even understand 5G, so it may not happen. Right. We'll talk about the M1 in a bit, but you brought up the coronavirus. And I did want to talk about you know, how Apple has fared this year, because it was one of the first companies to actually admit that the coronavirus impact would have an effect on its supplies and, and, and manufacturing capabilities. Talk about how it fared this year uh, relative to the industry. Yeah, and I would use the word instead of admit, warn, right? I think they were they were proactive in a way a lot of other companies were not. 
And that's that's really interesting about them uh, because it, it they kind of turned into the people who knew what was going on a lot more than a lot of other companies. Even though when I would talk to other companies, they would quietly tell me, yeah, things really suck for us right now, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> and Apple was just being very open about it. <clears throat> so the biggest problem was manufacturing, right? They, they just couldn't supply enough stuff. And we saw this all over the place, right? The toilet paper, uh, even though there's plenty of it, it was hard to manufacture it and actually get it out the door quick enough. Uh, there weren't enough people in meatpacking processing plants for a while. That became an issue. All of these things that we saw it all over the industries and the tech industry in particular really struggled. Uh, laptops and, and desktops were in high demand because everyone's stuck at home again. And also uh, what ended up happening was that you had um, some of the other issues that started coming up. We started uh, really needing to lean on Zoom and Teams and all these video chat apps, which meant we needed better cameras. Those started going out. So it just became kind of a mess overall. And here we are today. Uh, you know, the iPhone, some of the iPhones are still delayed up to the end of the year. Uh, this is weeks after their launch. And also, you've got stuff like the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, the new video game consoles. They are on such tight, <laughs> such high demand that people are literally trying to scalp them for more than twice their value on eBay. So it, it's really become a hard time for the entire industry. And a lot of it is attributable to coronavirus. Definitely. Let's go back to the M1. And that was the other big announcement, big news from Apple this year. They went from using an Intel processor to one that they've custom designed. What does this mean for Apple? Uh, what did it mean this year? And what does it mean for the future for Apple? Yeah, I, I think there's a big question mark around what this is going to be. You know, it's interesting. I, I had been hearing rumblings about this for years, right? And I think a lot of people in the industry kind of expected it, no matter what, um, because the iPhone and the iPad were getting so powerful at such a high rate that it kind of felt inevitable. And now the real question is, what will it ultimately mean, right? Like so far we've seen, okay, the MacBook Air is able to be faster, has better battery life and it ditched a fan. That's super cool. Knowing that I don't, I can't cook an egg on my laptop anymore is really nice. But the the future questions are, is this actually going to start a trend where everyone starts using these types of chips? What does it mean for all the other computer makers? Because they aren't chip experts. And it's it's just all kind of, it gets a lot more messy. But for Apple, it also means a lot more simplicity. Their developers can create one app, run it anywhere. They just have to make sure it's different for keyboard and mouse versus touch. And it, it could be really cool, but we're just at the beginning stages of it. And a lot of us are thinking about the future rather than seeing it. <laughs> so Apple, one of the big... Uh... Big announcements was not necessarily something Apple would want to talk about, and that's that battle with Epic and the the maker of Fortnite. Talk a little bit about that, and you know where where we are with that lawsuit. Yeah, that was a really interesting moment. So it was in August. Uh, Apple has these rules uh, for the App Store that if you've been following the Apple world, they are huge political issues in and of themselves. Especially in June around the developer conference, there's always a dust up over this stuff. So. It, one of the rules is that if you're going to sell stuff through your app, primarily digital stuff, right? So, you know, a wheelbarrow for your for your farm in the game, Apple takes a 30% cut. 
Well, what ended up happening was that Epic, which makes Fortnite, is a multi-billionaire company. They decided to break the rules and create their own uh, system. You could just pay them directly. You would get a discount for all the stuff you could buy and get your characters dancing and all that stuff. And so it became uh, a real kind of contentious issue. Apple banned them from their app store. Google did the same. And Epic sued. They put out this really slick marketing video. I have to give them credit where it, it looks like the 1984 ad from Apple, the famous one from the Super Bowl. But it's now Epic and Fortnite against Apple. And they they started this huge marketing campaign around it. And they got a lot of attention. Uh, most people, though, have kind of gotten to the point where they see this as what it truly is, a, a slap fight between two corporate entities for who gets more money, essentially, out of us. But it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And the possibility of changing how Apple runs the App Store could be huge. So that's why it's interesting. Yeah, it's important to note that App Store, Apple's control over the App Store is one of the reasons why government uh, agencies or government regulators are looking at whether or not you know, Apple has too much power, right? When they had the big the big summit or the big uh, confrontation between the tech CEOs like Facebook and Google uh, and Apple and Amazon, you know, Apple's big issue was whether or not it had too much power over its app store, right? Whether or not it was being anti-competitive by pushing its own apps versus some of these competing ones. Do you think the, the Epic lawsuit will, will, I guess, draw further spotlight on, on that, on that discussion, that debate, uh, or is that sort of separate? Like how, how do you see those two kind of coexisting going into 2021? I spoke to a number of antitrust experts as I was trying to kind of figure out how to look at this stuff. And one thing they all told me is that this is a lot of uncharted territory in the law here, right? Like a lot of companies tend to just kind of come up with a decision. But the great news for them is that Tim Sweeney, the CEO of uh, Epic has a ton of money and he just doesn't care. He's going to fight for philosophical reasons. And Apple, we know they're an obstinate company, right? That's just part of who they are. So they're going to keep up the fight. So for these for these uh, lawyers and these experts, they're super excited because we might actually get some real talk about what rules are around intellectual property, around how the apps and the internet are run. It could be really cool for them. Uh, reality is they'll probably settle and it'll all be over. But hopefully we'll get some t interesting time in the courtroom just to talk about these issues because these laws need updating. And so far, the part of the reason Apple has been able to do what it does for so long, whether or not you agree with it, is because there's no law around it, right? If it, there's no law that says Apple has to allow other app stores to install apps on your phone. Apple only allows them to come from its app store. So it's all those types of things that are that are interesting and could change how we use phones, but also mostly boring to normal people. So Apple wasn't without its share of controversy beyond the epic battle, right? What were some of the low points or controversial points from the company this year? Yeah, so the other major uh, antitrust thing we can talk about, right? we've got Congress, we've got Epic, and then we've got the EU. Uh, Spotify, in particular, the music subscription app, decided to complain about Apple to the European Union, and uh, the EU actually launched two investigations into Apple, one around the App Store, very similar to what we're discussing with Epic, although slightly different. And then the other one 
is around Apple Pay and whether or not Apple should allow, actually allow other companies to use the, the Apple Pay chips in your phone to do their own pay thing. Uh, you can't do that right now, right? Again, you notice the theme here, right? Apple's control and whether it's legal. So that's going to be an interesting controversy in and of itself. And it has legal implications because what goes in the EU means the entire European uh, continent. That could be really impactful to Apple. So that'll be interesting. Uh, A couple other things happened. They settled a couple of lawsuits around the battery gate. You may have heard about this from 2017. The, uh, you know, the idea that Apple was slowing down its phones, people thought in order to get you to buy a new phone. Uh, You can debate whether you believe that's true, but Apple said that they were doing it for good reasons, which was to make your phone more efficient. Regardless, they settled the two lawsuits uh, uh, together under a billion dollars. And they said they they refused to accept any uh, liability here. They say they, they apologized to their users, but they said, we did not do wrong. And in both cases. But, you know, they've settled it and they're out of it and that's over. Those were probably the most dramatic things I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two, but yeah, it's been an interesting year for them. Yeah. I mean, I have to bring it up. It doesn't seem as important in the the realm of lawsuits and huge legal battles, but the power adapter, the brick, they took the brick out. They omitted the brick and the AirPods in the, in the latest iPhone. I think also Apple watch, uh, or was not the Apple watch, but the iPad. Yeah, it was the Apple watch. Apple watch. Okay. So, Losing the power brick, which they they justify was a move to be more environmentally friendly. Some issues with that, right? A lot of people kind of question that, right? In part because with the original Apple Watch announcement, the most expensive Apple Watch still had the power brick in it. So people were like, wait a minute. But, um, you know, I'm sure they sell like six of them a year. That's probably why they said it, they could do that. But reality is that there's a, there's a double benefit for Apple out of this, right? Yeah, maybe they are helping the environment. And let's pretend for a moment that all the marketing they do around their environmental projects is real. Okay, great. Good for them. But they also make a huge financial benefit out of it. These bricks are like 20 bucks a piece. The I forget how much uh, the the headphones are nowadays, but you know, I'm going to guess somewhere around 20 as well. So, we're talking about a lot more money Apple's going to get out of the people who don't already have the stuff who are probably by the way don't have as much money. All of this kind of adds up, right? And it makes Apple look a tiny bit more greedy than they did before they made that announcement. So that's part of the problem. Just to be nitpicky, the, this move happened as they were making the shift to USB-C power cord, which they argue there are, you have plenty of power adapters at home, except none of them work with the new cable that you're getting. So kind of a disconnect. I mean, literally a disconnect there. Yes. Um, beyond just for uh, beyond getting more revenue, uh, the fact that, because I, I, I have an iPhone 12 Pro Max that I bought, I noticed the box was considerably smaller because they didn't need the power adapter. Well, when you've got a smaller box, you can stack more of those boxes into a shipment that you could send over at a lower price. So from a cost perspective, they're they're making money on both ends. So they're basically getting a win-win here um, beyond the environmental win. Yeah, you can you can you can line up a lot of wins for them in that column. And, and the, you know, look, uh, Apple has argued for a lot of time that environmental wins are financial wins, right? If they can figure out how to financially and really smartly be able to recycle materials and all this other stuff, 
not only will they help the environment, but they'll also make more money. And that's the incentive for them. But, you know, it's hard when we see this type of thing happen and we're sitting there like, uh, it seems like you're just trying to get more money out of me. So, uh, you know, this is a controversy that will go away every year when a new iPhone comes out, people will bring it up and then <laughs> it'll be over eventually. Right. And right. and the the pre- presumption is eventually the all these things are going to go so wireless that it, you won't even have a wire in the box. But that's for future debate. One of the big moves that Apple's really been doing for the last couple of years is the shift to services, right? And they, they added more services this year. What, what did they introduce uh, and how did they fare? Yeah, so one of the things they introduced, uh, you know, last year we had Apple Arcade for gaming. We had Apple TV Plus, uh, which, did they get an Emmy? I forget if they actually won that Emmy. Well, I they think were they nominated, did. but- I- Yeah, they were at least nominated for the the morning show. Roger's gonna look now. And then, <laughs> and then they had, um, Apple uh, Apple News Plus, where you could watch, you could read up to, I think it was more than 300 magazines uh, for a subscription. So uh, both TV and Apple Arcade were $4.99 a month. Uh, the news was $9.99 a month. So this year they decided, okay, they're going to add one more thing, fitness. So this fitness thing is really interesting. It's kind of taking on Peloton and all these popular fitness apps out there. Of course, it's hooked into the Apple Watch because duh. And it's going to be interesting to see how this ends up playing out for them. Uh, You know, it's another one of those things where Apple doesn't have a lot of experience, right? Like they built the Apple Watch that required them to learn about how our bodies work a lot. But that doesn't mean can they then turn around and start selling me on how to do yoga and and have all these other things happen in my home. I don't know. And then the last thing they did was Apple One. They actually started bundling it all together and giving discounts. But a lot of people responded saying, well, it's not that much of a discount, right? So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how people respond over time. But uh, I'm sure also as a lot of things happen when us nerds kind of grimace at something and say, oh, I'm not sure. Most people eat it up anyway, and it turns into a huge thing. So I'm not going to say it's not go- doing well. <laughs> That's true. Well, I looked at Apple One and, and you know, we, we, we talked about this earlier. And if you just sort of add up the different elements, it's like the, the cost, especially if you need the higher tier storage, which Apple One bundles don't necessarily give you. It's not obvious that they're available to you. Like the, the, the costs kind of run up and you feel like you're paying for a lot of different services that you don't necessarily use. So that one was kind of an iffy thing for me. It's important to note also uh, with Apple Fitness, it's uh, it's not available yet, right? It's still- No, it hasn't it's come still out yet. TBD. I, I'm sure that they'll they'll get it out on December 31st, be like New Year's resolutions with Apple Fitness. That's plus. actually, that's brilliant, actually. <laughs> uh, and then just to, yeah, just to confirm, the morning show did win uh, an Emmy for, ah, uh, Billy right. Crudup did win an Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor. It was the first- uh, Emmy win for the fledgling Apple TV Plus service. Don't at me for forgetting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked, Ian. Shocked that you weren't up on all your latest Emmy news. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, it's very interesting this year with the uh, the staged productions of the various Apple events, and yeah. there were a number of them. Beyond the traditional, you know, WWDC and the Apple iPhone event, we have three events in the fall, right? One yeah. for iPad and Apple Watch, one for the iPhone, and then another for the new Macs. That's that's more than they've ever done in the second half, basically ever. Do you think this is a new norm, or is this just Apple taking advantage of the virtual show format and being a little bit more flexible? You know, I asked one of uh, 
Apple's SVPs once about when they did something different, right? They had a second thing in the fall or they changed the naming style on something. And he kind of looked at me with a smile. He said, we don't like to be predictable. (laughs) So (laughs) that was an on the record official comment. So look, I I think that they're probably just having fun and figuring it out. You know, I think that the response to these videos, if you haven't watched them, just as something to watch as a as a as a spectacle on its own. It's a really interesting to see how these things were done, particularly after a number of companies tried to do them and, and didn't do well. Microsoft had one that did not get really well reviewed. Uh, a couple other companies tried and they really bored us to tears. Apple kept it really slick. I mean, it's Apple, right? And it, it seemed as though we were all debating, like, if you don't have a bunch of employees clapping and cheering throughout the thing, will it feel like an Apple event? And they still were able to make it work. So, you know, I, I'm really impressed by that. And I, I would argue they had the best presentations of the entire tech industry this year, Sony being right up there with them as well. Sony did a really good job and got a lot of high marks for how they announced PlayStation titles and whatnot. Yeah, I know you have a preview of what 2021 looks like for Apple coming up later this month, but uh, you want to give us a little bit of a, a look into what you think 2021 is going to look like? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be very similar to 2020 in terms of what does the coronavirus do to all of us? I mean, because Apple is such a large company, it is affected by everything going on here. And I think it's going to it's going to decide a lot of what Apple does that year. Um, other than that, Apple is still changing all the chips in its computers, getting rid of Intel. So that will be a process in and of itself. And there's going to be, I think, a little interesting refinement on the iPhone 12 uh, that, you know, the question we all have is how do you make a new phone with glass and metal body interesting? Uh, you know, the way they did it this year is that they basically made it square instead of instead of curved. OK, great. So what's next year? And look, the camera's upgraded. That's great. New glass. Awesome. They don't even call it glass anymore. Like all that stuff is really good. But the question is, what comes next? And I think that's going to be a lot of what Apple has to answer in the next year if we're not all completely distracted by the coronavirus and the fallout from it. All right, well, thank you for your time, Ian. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. You can sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co forward slash Daily Charge. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out a lot. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.